and um, when Rach was saying that there's a real kindness in the room, I was so feeling that. I was singing under my breath, oh, there's kindness here, there's kindness here. And um, I wonder if maybe it's because it's one of the things that I've really experienced of God's nature. And, um, and so it's like he's, um, you know how when people talk from something that they don't know or haven't experienced with God, it doesn't really carry the same power, but when it's something they've walked through, it carries something. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I really felt that and I just could feel his, like, his, his kind eyes. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about authenticity in worship because um, Rachie said, um, Andrew and I should talk about worship and I was trying to think, you know, a lot of people in this room get worship in a way that I don't get, even though I'm a worship leader. Like, I can tell that they've got a revelation that's different to mine and, um, and awesome. And, and I don't completely get it about worship, but this is one thing I do get. And, um, <laughs> and it's about being authentic um, and having an authentic heart of worship. Um, and so authenticity... Um, like, I think it's something that's a real Jesus value. Like, Jesus was so real and authentic in the, in the dictionary means real, you know. Um, I had a look at it. That's one of the main words it said. <laughs> yep, there it is. Um, and, yeah, it's like Jesus was the most real, legit, authentic guy. There wasn't a lie in him. There was no deceit in him. And so, as Christians, it's something we really value. And... Um, I remember when I first walked into Paradox and I remember that one of the first things that struck me was how authentic the people were here and um, the reason for that was I just saw all these masks peeling off all around me and there was so much ugliness and it was so beautiful. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, like when Jesus talks about, um, you know, the opposite of authenticity is hypocrisy right and um, when Jesus talks about hypocrites he often talked about the Pharisees and um, you know like he called them whitewashed tombs and so their outside was painted white and looked all fresh but their inside was full of like dead rotting stuff and um, yeah I just love how um, in our family we're so free to let our masks peel off and you know all of us have some dead rotting stuff inside but it's like this. there's a culture here where we're allowed to let people see that and we're still accepted in that place. And I think that's really special and I think it's something Jesus really values. And, um, yeah, so there's, oh, what is that verse? 1 John verse 8 um, says something like, if we think we have no sin in us, then we're deceiving ourselves. And um, I just really love being part of a family where we don't deceive ourselves. <laughs> We just, we agree, we do, we have crap, but we bring it to Jesus and we put it in the light and he makes us clean and it's beautiful. So um, what does authenticity look like in worship? Um, I was thinking about how the tricky thing with authenticity is, you know, you can come into a place where there's this beautiful intimate worship time going on and, you know, you've got a junky heart and you're feeling all angry and down or whatever and you come in and you think, right, I'm just going to be authentic and real. So you don't want to be a fake by going, yeah, Jesus. But to be real, you'd be all junky and yuck. And it's like, what do you do in that situation? Like, do you just 
fake it till you make it or <laughs> do you just sort of sit and wallow in your junk? It seemed like for a while there, I just felt like those were the only two options. And I remember sitting in my wallowy junk and I just remember Jesus being like so kind to me in that place because he could see the purity of my motive and he could see that really my heart was, I don't want to be a fake Lord. And so I'm just sitting here because I'm an immature Christian. That's all I know. So <laughs> and Jesus was really kind to me in that place. But I think there's an even better way as well. And there's constantly better ways unfolding as we mature as believers and grow up in Jesus. And so, um, yeah, I was thinking authenticity, it can look in worship. It looks different on all of us. So you might look at um, Kara wherever she is, and when she's being authentic in her worship, sometimes she's just spinning wildly, like spinning round and round. You can feel this power coming out of her. It's really phenomenal. It breaks something in the room, and it's really beautiful. But does that mean we all have to spin like Kara, you know? Or you can look at Daniel Gradusov, and sometimes he'll just be flat out on the floor howling and yelling and weeping and there's just this deep intercession that just sort of just, it's like a, the whole earth groans with Daniel. And, and you can feel something shift in the room. And it's like Daniel sets a bar and we're all allowed to go all the way up to there. And it's like none of us could have got there because Daniel just broke something in the room. And it's, it's so incredible. Does that mean that authentic worship looks like us all laying on the floor and howling no um <laughs> or you know you might look at brett and when he's authentically expressing his worship and he's just dancing and his arms are just cutting through the air and all this stuff and you feel something breaking in the room you feel the whole atmosphere changing and things are being broken off but does that mean we all have to dance like brett no i don't think so because it's um you know there's a verse that says god um i think it's in samuel somewhere Anyway, um, it says like God um, looks at the heart, whereas man looks at the outward appearance. And, um, and so if we're trying to determine what's authentic by um, looking at how people look and then copying it, we're probably going to miss the point because that's not how God thinks. But God thinks, uh, look at the heart and um, that's where the authenticity comes from. So... Um, there's a really cool verse where Jesus talks about what authentic worship looks like. And it's when, um, it's in John chapter 4 when he's chatting to the woman at the well. And, um, and he's saying, like, authentic worshippers actually worship in spirit and in truth. And when I was doing some research about, because that's the words from Jesus, so we can pretty much rely on that's what authentic worship is looking like but it's a kind of confusing verse because I thought oh in spirit and in truth oh that makes sense because the version I read had a little s so I thought that means human spirit you know because if they capitalized it it would have been the holy spirit then I looked in other versions and it had a capital and I was like what's going on here and it ends up that this it's sort of like this big controversial verse where translators have translated all different ways but at the end of the day I thought okay I'm just going to talk about it as if it's from our human spirit because that's, that's a concept that's supported all through the Bible that we worship from our hearts because that's um, also what David talks about in the Psalms. Um, 
It's got a couple of Psalms. Psalm 41, verse 45, verse 1, and 103, verse 1 to 2. They both sort of demonstrate that it's good and healthy to worship from your inner man. And so let's, let's imagine that that's what the verse means. <laughs> um, so it says we worship from, authentic worshipers worship from their inner man, from their inner spirit, the bit that's left if you had no body. We worship from that place and we worship in truth. And um, from my inner man, that's a bit of authenticity that was really blocked for me for a really long time because um, I, I just felt like I, I didn't want to show people my emotions publicly or do public displays of emotion because I didn't, I didn't want to be vulnerable like that and I didn't want people to judge me or think I was a looper. And um, <laughs> and you know how sometimes, um, I don't know, like I've seen some public displays of emotion and, it, and I don't know, I just, I felt overwhelmed by it and, and so I just wanted to not be associated with that. And um, it really made worship hard for me because um, imagine being in an intimate relationship with someone and showing your emotion, like it's not really going to get very intimate. And... Um, I could do it in my bedroom after I'd been through um, relationship with God for a few years. I started being able to express my emotions toward him in my room as long as nobody else was home. But um, to do it on the stage as a worship leader was like horrific to me. <laughs> and um, when you'll remember that when I first um, started worship leading, I was really timid and I'd sing very quietly and I definitely didn't express any emotion except for terror. And <laughs> and then you'll probably, I don't know if you remember, but I remember very clearly, Rachel got up one day and she was like, wow, what happened to Bethia? She turned from a mouse into a lion. And what had instigated that change was um, one night, Rachel, um, she's always pushing us off cliffs. That She's a professional pusher. <laughs> <laughs> so one night she was just doing what she does at worship training and she um sh I think she'd noticed that a lot of us weren't singing from with our emotions engaged um and it can be a bit of an Aussie thing I think and um so she got us all she whispered an emotion in each of our ears and she got us all to go up on the stage and we had to sing with that emotion and everyone else in the team had to guess what emotion we were singing with and for me, that was like horror of horrors. Um, I felt completely embarrassed and like my skin was all hot and I just completely didn't want to do it. But I just was like, <gasps> okay. And I went up there and I had to sing with anger, which at least that was like a power emotion. So I didn't have to look vulnerable. But <laughs> I, I was, it still broke something for me. I was like, wow. The world didn't end. It's all good. I can sing with emotion. Okay. Um, and I don't know. Jesus just, I think he just honoured um, my choice to step out in my terror. And, and he broke something for me that day. And, um, yeah, so it was like an unblockage of my authenticity. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, the next time that I led worship, I was able to just be... Um, Bethia before the Lord instead of oh no oh no I'm gonna cry quick bury it bury it bury it don't cry don't cry like you know I was focusing so hard on not showing anything um, that I was missing the whole thing that he was doing um, so 
am I saying that we just need to be like super emotional and just hype ourselves up and just get all crazy? No way. Um, but I am saying that that was an area that was blocked for me that got unblocked by Jesus and it was really cool. So now I'm free to be more intimate with him. And um, the flip side of that coin is when you come into church and you're feeling all um, nasty and <laughs> you've got a you've got a horrible attitude and you just can't change it. And, you know, to be authentic in that situation, what do you do? Yeah, do you fake it till you make it or do you just... Um, wallow and this is um another area where i had a really cool um breakthrough with jesus and so this is the part of that bible verse where you know how it says worship true worshipers worship in spirit and truth i just talked about spirit and this is the truth side where you apply the truth to your situation and then you can have a breakthrough and um so when i was a missionary for a couple of years on a ship and um, in that time, one of, you know how certain ministries have certain teachings that they really, really promote? One of the teachings that they really, really promoted on, on this ship was um, your will drives the car and your emotions sit in the back seat. So you align your will with the truth and you put your emotions in the back seat. And the way I perceived it at that time in my immaturity, it might not have been the way that they were presenting it, but the way I perceived it was, Tell your emotions, shut up, just be quiet, get in the back seat, my will's driving the car. And it was just this real aggressive sort of strivey um, way of doing life that made me feel um, anxious and exhausted and, um, and like it was almost like a hatred for a big part of my personhood, which was my emotions. It was almost like you guys aren't real, you're just chemicals, so just... I'm going to dominate you with my will and um, and just be quiet because I'm the boss. And it was just a really mean way to treat myself. <laughs> and um, anyway, I guess um, I got to this point where I was having a really, really difficult time in my life and um, I had this beautiful experience with um, with God where he, he started teaching me. I started reading this book called The Papa Prayer have you guys heard of that one by Larry Crabb? Yeah, and um, it's about basically talking to your heart and validating your heart and stuff. And I started, I thought it was a bit weird, but I started writing to my heart and I'd say, hey heart, how are you feeling? And then my heart would be like, well actually, I'm feeling abandoned and neglected and like I can't connect to God and he's not even here and all these crazy lies would come up that my heart was believing and I'd be like, oh, that's why I've been feeling anxious and off because um, I never listened to my heart to figure out why I was feeling just a bit off. So when I actually listened, I'd hear the reasons why and then from that place I could tell my heart the truth and um, I found my heart's like a sensitive little creature and, you know, if I, <laughs> if I dominate and control it, it just hides or... It um, it buries itself or it won't let me see what it's really feeling and I go numb. Um, but it's like when I was studying counselling, I noticed that people who'd come into the counselling room and they'd be sort of almost aggressive and not willing to accept any advice or wisdom. They'd just be like all defences up. Um, 
eventually, if I heard their heart enough, if I really reflected back to them exactly what I was hearing and how they were feeling and completely, they felt completely heard and like I got them, then from that position of them feeling fully heard, I could speak to them um, advice or wisdom and they'd fully receive it and it would be um, transformative for them. And I found that it's really similar with my own heart, the way I treat my own heart. So um, instead of being aggressive and like, I'll tell you the truth and you'll obey heart, um, I've been telling my heart, listening to my heart and gently hearing it and um, from that place when my heart feels fully heard and validated, I can speak the truth to my heart and then it will receive it um, and it will actually agree. Like I found my heart, when it feels fully heard and validated, it's really soft and it'll be like, oh, is that the truth? Okay, I'm on board with that. Like it's a really soft thing instead of being all hidden and defensive. Um, yeah, and another reason why um, I'm now kind to my heart is because Jesus was um, in that time, in that really difficult season, he just showed me his kindness every single morning. Like I'd wake up in the morning and I'd go to spend time with him and he would just be like buckets of kind. And like an example would be um, I'd be driving in the car, not even thinking about God, um, just cruising along, Myla in the back seat and next thing, um, a song would come on on the radio and Jesus would just out of the blue go, I'm singing this over you, Beth. And I'd be like, it, it, not a Christian song, just a love song. And I'd be like, oh. And then I'd sit there and it would be so beautiful and I'd receive every word from him because I knew it was him because I was used to his voice. And um, and I'd just feel all loved and have a cry. And um, he just kept saying all these kind things just in the most random ways. And it was such a different voice than the voice I'd been used to thinking was God. So the voice that I thought was God from a little girl was really aggressive and mean. And I've since found out that wasn't him. <laughs> and that was the voice. I remember as a little girl going out of the bathroom and then um, hearing this voice go, go back to the bathroom right now and hang your towel properly. And, and it was like... If you don't do it, you're not loved. That was the impression I got. And I was like, <gasps> okay. And I'd go back to the bathroom and I'd hang my towel really straight, pull out all the wrinkles and then think, is that properly enough? I don't know if that's properly enough. And do it again and again. And I'd get this weird sort of um, obsessive compulsive thing of getting it just right so that God would be happy with me and never felt his approval no matter how many times I straightened the towel. And that would happen in so many areas of my life and I always thought that was him I thought that was God you know um but turns out it wasn't <laughs> and that's a relief <laughs> he's really really kind and when we're stuffing up he's never thinking you dirty dog look at you look how low you just stooped like he's always like oh man Beth you fell off the bike okay well look over here and this is what I've got for you and it's really really cool and so um come with me and we'll go over here and we'll go and do this thing and it's never like you fell you know uh, he's just really really kind so anyway all that to say um <laughs> when when I now come into um worship and my heart's feeling all rank and yuck 
I just start talking to it and I say, okay, heart, what's going on for you? And I listen to it and I really, really listen to all how it's feeling. And then I find Bible verses that will come against um, against that wrong belief, basically. So you can even see that David does it um, all through the Psalms. Like the Psalm 13 is a really prime example because it's just short. So you can really clearly see um, how that strategy operates. So David, who is like, God says, man after my own heart. God was like, love this guy so much, I will get my own son to be born in his line. Like that's how much David is awesome. And David tells theologically untrue things in the Psalms and follows them with truth. And it's like, so he'll start off by saying, oh, I'm feeling all rah, rah, rah and terrible and all this untrue stuff. Have you abandoned me? Have you neglected me? Why have you turned your face away from me? And then he'll say, and yet um, I love you and um, your salvation is so awesome and all this good stuff. You know, he'll finish on the truth. And um, I just think, you know, if David does it, we can we can sort of lean on that as a healthy, godly, biblical way to do things, to approach things, you know. Um, so I think that's all I have to say. Um, <laughs> let me see if there's any more. Yep, yep, that's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> Good to see you back. I think as we... Andrew Underpants. No, underpants. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. Teach on. Thanks, 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 thanks. Okay. Okay, good, 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 good. So um, this morning, I uh, was thinking about what I'm going to chat about. And um, I have no multimedia presentation, so this is mine. <laughs> it's, it's, all my, it's my own work. Um, so this morning, I thought it was good to talk about uh, corporate worship and why we come together and we, and we gather and we worship. And it's good timing, I think, as we head into next year. It's brand new year and a uh, new location, and, and we're heading into a location that has um, potential for exponential growth. It's, th it's a place that um, I definitely believe we're going to see huge things change, and it's good to be able to consolidate kind of where we're up to now so that when things do grow and things kind of God's revealing more to us that we've got this foundation that we're kind of continuing on with, especially in our worship. So this is another... oh. I thought it was a black one that time. That actually is one of mine too, so that's all right. Um, <laughs> okay. Does anyone, I'd, I'd, I, I wrote like dot point notes for me, so this could be all over the shop. Or it, um, we'll just pray that it all makes sense. Uh, top one was intro yourself, maybe. <laughs> so, so I'm Andrew. Yeah, check. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to tick that one off. Hello. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think I know most of you. I'm a worship leader here. I worship lead with Beth here and Brad and Rach and Nicole and Mitch who are leading this morning. And I have a wife named Kat and I have a 16-month-old called Oliver. And they're pretty great. They're both sick. So Kat's got a sore shoulder and Oliver uh, is just doing his usual vomit thing. So that's a shame this morning. But they're at home. I'm recording it for them. So hey. Um, uh, also, I'd hear say you're a worship leader so check i'm not going to do that every time i have to put this pen away otherwise i'm going to do that every time okay uh 
Uh, context is nice. So I grew up in Adelaide and I support the Adelaide Crows, but I'm still um, tender about the grand final last year, so we're not going to mention that. The, oh, it's still this year. That's it's a tragedy. Um, <laughs> grew up in Adelaide. Grew up in a Baptist church in Adelaide, so my family had a lot to do with the church. And I've always been in the church. I love, I actually really love the church. I think um, everyone has their own background and, and from where, th- where they're coming from, but I'm a big fan of the church and when Christians gather together, and, and I, I really love when it's done well. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I'm a, uh, yeah, I'm a real big fan of the church, and I love our church, and I love what we're doing. And um, my family moved over here when I was younger, and we went to an another Baptist church um, for about ten years. And then Brad said, "Starting a church," and Kat and I said, "All right, we'll come with you." And then so now we're here, and this is where we are, and it's eight years on and uh, doing stuff. Um, so corporate worship, we're going to talk about corporate worship, and I thought um, it's good to chat about. Structure versus purpose is kind of what what I think I I, I was praying and I felt like um, I felt like God what God was saying I was I was practicing last night because I was a bit nervous about talking and like <laughs> I I did a lot of this so I did like a lot of this and then um, <laughs> I went back the other way and I did a lot of that <laughs> I had microphone so I was pretending I had a microphone and then it hit ten thirty and I realized all I'd done was practice my moves so. <laughs> I have, to, um, <laughs> I have to rely heavily on my notes. Um, okay. Oh, gosh. New year, new location, done that. Okay, so um, it's a really humanistic thing to put structure behind things. Structure's in everything, and I'm a really, I'm a, like, I'm a reasonably, uh, I like understanding how things work. So I like, I like knowing kind of what's going on, how something's going to work. What's the end goal? Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of, of structure. And, and even our church has structure. So we've got, um, we need to have structure. If we don't have structure, we don't know where to go. Like we don't, we, we need some kind of structure. We know our structure is, um, you get here at 9.30, we probably won't start till 9.45, 9.50. You know, that's our structure. That works. It might change in the new building. It might not. Um and then we've got some kind of flow to the morning. And, and the more that, that I was looking at this structure, um, the more I realized that, that structure is great and it's going to help us aid kind of what we're doing and we need it. But if we're not gathering with purpose or we're not gathering, or if we're, in fact, if we're only gathering because the structure's there, then we're going to have kind of this hollow shell with nothing going on in the inside where we're attending and we're, we're there, we're present, we're doing things. But there's no purpose behind what we're doing, and, and we're kind of, you know, rocking up, 9.30, grab a coffee, sing some worship, have a message, maybe an altar call, sing Mighty to Save, and then we'll get out of here. <laughs> Whereas if we're gathering with purpose, then there starts to be a change in what we're doing. And there's, there's also a change that happens in our structure because we're allowing room for purpose to happen. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. Sorry, just some self. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make a good point check. Yeah. <laughs> good. I'm going to... No, no, no. All right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, so particularly when we're looking at worship, so we're going to look at, at our corporate worship and what happens when we give purpose to something rather than structure. So if we're operating under a, a worship... Um, kind of structure, then we might come, we might sing a few songs, and there's no space really for, for, for um, 
I, I, I want this. So, oh, this is the other thing I was thinking. Oh, man. Okay. So I work, uh, like, I go on tangents a lot when I'm talking. Uh, I'm, I didn't, I'll get somewhere and I'll be like, I don't know where I end. <laughs> this is the other thing I was thinking last night. I think I was thinking about worship. I also talk fast sometimes. Um, I, was <laughs> I was thinking about worship and somehow I got to, um, oh, that's right, because music's such an amazing thing. Actually, this is a good point. Maybe I'll say it later. Music's such an amazing thing that we have here on earth that God's given us. And we've got, like, tw- 12 keys and we can do good stuff with it. But I was thinking about heaven, and, and if God's created this for earth, imagine like everything that unlocks in heaven in the way, even musical worship. So I'm a musical mind, and that's where I think. I know there's plenty other ways of, of worship and expressing that to God, but just imagine what heaven's going to sound like when we get there. It's going to be incredible, and I was, I was thinking about this, and then this is one of my tangents. Then I started thinking, oh, gee, I, I really hope um, Kat and Oliver are there, and, and I was thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, man. This, this is going to take a sad turn if I start thinking about it too much. So then I went, oh, gee, I really hope there's a McDonald's down the road in heaven. <laughs> and I started thinking about what McDonald's in heaven would be like. <laughs> it's like, it would be so unlimited frozen Cokes. I bet you there's like a nugget bar. Everything's on the dollar menu. It would be so good. Sorry, the purpose of that was I take tangents sometimes. <laughs> I took a tangent to explain my tangents. Um, right. Sorry, now my brain has to t- trace back through three different tangents to get back to where I was to begin with. It's Inception. This is what my brain is. My brain's Inception. I get Inception. I love that movie. It's my brain. Um, great. So we're looking at worship. And, and it's so good that when we start to, to lose some of our structure, or, or not lose it, but not make it a priority and start putting pu- some purpose behind what we're doing, um, it allows God to move in such a free way that we're able to start really building connection with him through our worship and through what we're doing because we're coming at it with a view of I'm not going to stop until I, I've reached my purpose with, with you in worship. And, and purpose, purpose, there's a whole range of purpose to, to what God has for us in worship. He created us to worship to begin with. He, pr- he created us to reveal his glory and he created us to worship him. So while we worship, there's, there's a whole range of different purpose, but one of the key kind of things of purpose that we've been, especially on Paradox, we've been on a journey, is this, this idea of worshipping with purpose of reaching intimacy with, with God and, and worshipping in a, in a place where I think when we worship from a place of intimacy, it allows our heart to align with God's heart. And it takes this place where it gets us to this place where we're starting to see things happen because we've reached intimacy, and intimacy is, is this, um, all it is, is it's allowing your heart to be open to Jesus, really. Like uh, intimacy, it, it sounds like a, a daunting word for some people. It's something we use for human relationships, which is actually hard sometimes then to translate that to how that works in a, in a, a godly relationship. But it also has its parallels. So if I'm thinking about my intimacy with Kat, I actually need to invest time into Kat and I actually need to be present and I need to be able to, 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 to kind of be open and available for Kat, for inti- intimacy to happen to begin with. So it's the same with God. If we're not giving our time or, or we're worried about the time or, or we're starting to get the lunch rumblies and our mind goes somewhere else, then, then it's not going to build the same kind of intimacy than if we're going in with the intent of, I am going to worship and I'm going to lay down everything so I can know you better and I can start to align my heart with your heart. That's good. Thank you. 
This is good. I'm sorry. Sorry, I've, I'm not sorry. I've just got a lot of dot points. Yeah. And then the other thing that, that the worship is, is it's in action. So it, it's like what I was saying with my relationship with Kat. It requires something of me. So I can't rock up and expect that worship will happen and, and sit through a message and go home and expect that my relationship with God is going to have grown exponentially. Don't use big words, Andrew. Bigger <laughs> in, uh, in my relationship with God because I haven't gone out and I haven't made the action. You know, I, I imagine, I, I just... I just imagine God's always there with his arms out and he's always ready and he's just waiting for us just to turn towards him and to worship him. And I was thinking this morning in the song um, Spirit Move, the, the chorus, uh, sorry, the bridge. Okay, Spirit Move, oh, that's it. We were singing it and it's it, the, the, the line in there, Spirit Move, we're ready for you. And I just felt God say, that's it. That's all I'm waiting for is for you to say, I'm ready for you. And once that happens, then, yeah, we're building intimacy with God and our hearts are aligning to God. So it has to happen in, in that order. We need to make sure the intimacy is there to be able to align our hearts with God and, and for that connection to be there. But once that connection's there, then all of heaven's open because God is going, I've got this connection. And anything, you know, anything that he wants to do, anything that he wants to make happen, then we're making ourselves available to say, I, I'm open to you, I'm yielded to you, everything is, is yours in this space. And then God goes, that's great, I can work with that. Mm. So in our, our, in our corporate time, I think, you know, this morning was a good example of, of, of structure, not, not taking kind of precedent over purpose and allowing ourselves time to sit in a place where we can feel God is, is leading us. And there is a lot that can happen in that space. And, and um, there are two things, I think, that are, are really, um, that I feel on my heart that I, I want to share for us as a community. A community. Um, and I actually can't remember what the second one is, so I'll start with the first one. And that's, <laughs> what was the second one? Who knows? Maybe I just got one point. Um Oh, and, and see, now I've lost my track as well because I saw another dot point. I'm like, oh, I didn't talk about that. Um, that's right. So when heaven opens, then God moves. Oh, yeah, the one, the one thing I wanted to talk about, it's in Ephesians. There's this part where I think it's, it's, there's a whole lot that can happen in our worship. There's prophetic acts that can happen in our worship. So this morning, we're breathing in and out. That's a prophetic, prophetic act of doing something physical. And again, it's an act. It's really, imp it's really important to do things. If you're going to worship, you have to do something, you know. It might be simple, that's it as well. I had, um, worship isn't always easy, but it's simple. All, uh, all it takes is one movement, one action. It, it could be, I'm just going to lay down. I'm going to lay down face flat and I'm going to worship you. It could be, I'm going to open my mouth. You know, opening your mouth is a huge one. If more people just open their mouth, things are going to happen. I'm not saying that the people here aren't opening their mouths. I'm just saying... God's just waiting for us to open our mouths. And it's the same with prayer. Hey? Like uh, worship and prayer, the more I was, I was reading about this, the more they're intertwined, the more that the prayer and worship exist together. And there's this, um, this that's right. When we, when we worship and when we come together and we allow um, God to move, there's, there's a whole range of different things that can happen. But there's healing that can happen in worship. And I think that's something, so often we're very, um, 
self-centric and we're looking at worship and we're going, great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship God and, and I'm, I might receive from that. And 100% God heals us individually. But when we're coming together corporately, sometimes there's more than just us. And I'm not saying that, that, I'm not saying that if you're coming and you're worshiping, you're receiving that that's wrong because that's not wrong. God, God will meet you wherever. And, and 100% sometimes it's, it's to be here, to be encouraged, and then you're receiving it. And that's, that's good. But sometimes there's more, and sometimes God will be revealing things, especially to our intercessors that are, are, are constantly praying throughout the service. Um, and, and even in the worship, worship team as we're learning a bit more about how we hook into to what God's doing and where he's moving when we worship, then we, we start to see different areas opening up of, of, of places where God wants to work. So if God wants to work in healing, then someone might say there, there might be some of the intercessor team that starts praying into, into healing. And all it, in a corporate setting, it then doesn't, doesn't mean that we can then sit down and, and we don't take part if this healing doesn't apply to us. Uh, it, this is one of the things I wanted to get to was when we're corporate, we're all in. You know, if we're here, we're all in and we're, we're all kind of doing the same thing. And hopefully we're all getting the same place of, of we're coming with the purpose of intimacy. We're aligning our hearts with God. And then we're all in this place where God is able to move. And, and if the intercessors are picking up something in the room that might affect a certain uh, a certain range of people, or it might not even be here. It might be the intercessors are picking up something that's in the atmosphere, or it might be in our city, or it might be in the nation, or it might be somewhere completely in, in some other country that we start to pray for. It doesn't mean that we sit down because it doesn't affect us. There's a whole new, um, for me it's new, this idea of praying and interceding on behalf of, of someone else. And, and we've got our intercessors teams and and this happens with gifts across the bible is there are some people that are anointed with a gift but a a lot and that's a spiritual gift but a lot of a lot of gifts are are still given to everyone to operate under even if it's not your anointing so or even if it's not your given spiritual gift so some people are going to operate in a much higher level because god's revealing things to them in that area but for us as intercessors this is there's this verse i was reading in ephesians last night um ephesians is great and and it says pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times it goes on more about prayer but pray passionately in the spirit so it doesn't even even mean like (laughs) it means listen out to god listen to where he's leading and pray into that so pray into the spirit and intercede in every form of prayer. So it often means that we're not going to be praying for ourselves, but we're going to be praying for breakthrough breakthrough in other areas. And it might be breakthrough here, but if we're all interceding, if we're all in this, this place of worship, and then God's opening up things, and He's allowing us to intercede, especially for, for maybe what's going on here, that we're going to see breakthrough, and we're going to see different things happen that I don't even know what God's capable of doing, you know? I don't know. I don't... <laughs> I mean, I, I know of what I've seen, but there's an infinite amount that, that God can do. And the more that we're coming together and the more, the more that we're binding together in worship especially, the more that we're going to be able to be in sync with God and in sync with others to be able to see this kind of, these kind of things play, take place. And I honestly believe that, that, that God is using us as a group. I think um, this is... is, is, is um, the, the, the worship here is unlike any other worship experience I've ever been part of. And experience is the wrong word. Don't, don't shoot me down. But um, 
the the unity that's, that's kind of in our uni- in our in our worship and unity is a bit of a buzzword as well but it's n- it's not um, you know how sometimes unity is forced like oh yeah I'm gonna love you because uh, you're part of my church <laughs> no, no that's not it but sometimes unity is is seemed to be forced whereas hey we're we're trying really hard to push through to to this and sometimes that's needed to make unity happen but I just feel it there's such an ease of unity here that I wouldn't even look at it and go oh we're building unity it's just happening. Like it's something that God's doing and I think that in our worship especially as he's binding us together, he's going to um, kind of use us to be doing more, more. And that in the end kind of that's, as I was praying, that's what I really felt God was asking us to do is to, um, to really ground ourselves in intimacy and to understand where we are when we meet with him so that he's going to equip us for the more. And I think there's so much that we, you know, we don't know that he's, he's got in store for us, that it makes me excited and it makes me, it makes me so excited. Like that's so incredible. As I was kind of reading, reading through Ephesians and a few other verses, well, I'm going to wrap up um, with this. Is I was reading about corporate and why we come together. And a lot of it is for encouragement. So a lot, a lot, a lot of through the Bible, they're reading, uh, they're talking about in, being encouraged in the church. And I've kind of not glossed over that, but Christians are nice people. We encourage people anyway. I think encourage is awesome. Encouragement is awesome, and I would like, I would like to be encouraged. You know, encourage encouragement is also a great, you know, um, gift to have outside of the church because. It, it, encouragement shows Jesus love so much to someone else to be able to say I see you you know but it it also needs to happen in the church we need to be seeing each other we need to be encouraging but as I was reading encouraging sometimes you gloss over encouraging because it's it's in our everyday vocabulary big word group of words (laughs) 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 and as I was as I was thinking about encouragement I actually felt God say no he's, he's is it is in, it's encouragement that's what he said but for us and, and for the context for me to be under uh, able to understand this i felt god saying he's emboldening us so he's bringing us together and we're gathering to be emboldened to go forward and to to do more works for him to do more to do more in him to be able to understand where we are and to be able to hear from him and then for him to be able to do what he needs to do through us so yeah, it's good. It was a word of encouragement. That's that's pretty much all I was all I was saying. So, yeah, there we go.